This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It's a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, and we're especially delightful to have those who may be watching for the very first time. Thank you so very much for tuning in today. Now today on our telecast, we're going to discuss the topic, Without Christ, Without Christ. In, in a previous telecast, we talked about the, the same topic, and we want to continue that study today. Stay tuned today. Now today, we're going to be offering a free Bible correspondence course, and we want you to know more about the course, and then we'd like for you to know how you can study this Bible correspondence course. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading now from the 15th chapter of John's Gospel, beginning in verse number 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Without me you can do nothing. Without Christ we can do nothing. You know, there are some things in life that we think we cannot do without. That is, to us, those things are indispensable. We just have to have them. We, we, we just can't get up. Our lives could not go a long well. If we did. I was watching television, for example, the other night, and it was a show about a person who was a hoarder. And it was such a pitiful show a person that had, I've never seen so much stuff in a person's home. And they were trying to, to convince this individual to let them take all of those things out. And just to put it plainly, it, it needed to go to the, to the sanitary landfill. That's where it belonged. But this person thought it, that you just couldn't live without all of that stuff. Now, granted, there are some things that we cannot do without. You, you can't survive unless you have air to breathe, unless you have water to drink, and if you have food to eat, and a reasonable amount of clothing to wear. But even our Lord did not have a place to lay His head. Uh, he said the foxes have holes and the, the birds there have nests, but the Son of Man does not have a place to lay His head. So even a house is not something that we just have to have. Now, I prefer to have one, don't you? But there are many, many people 
who are living on the streets now, and they don't even have that. You say, we, we say, well, it's, I just have to have it. Well, we may want it and we may have it, but we don't necessarily have to have it. But in the realm of the spiritual, we just have to have Jesus. Without Jesus Christ, we're in serious spiritual trouble. We, we've noted in a previous telecast that without Jesus, we don't have a purpose to live. And that without Jesus, we don't have a, a, an example to follow. With Christ, do we have a purpose. With Jesus, we have an example to follow. And in our last telecast, we talked about the fact that without Jesus, we would not have an atonement. I want to read a few passages to you from the fifth chapter of Romans, beginning in verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Now think about that. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by, by His life. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have now received the reconciliation. Those verses are telling us that man sinned. Sin separated man from God. Man needed to be reconciled to God. And Jesus became the one who would reconcile man to God. He became the atonement for man. Someone has taken that word atonement and broken it down like this, at one month. And while that might be the, the simple way of defining that word, I think there's a broader uh, application of it and an explanation of it. But the bottom line is that Jesus indeed is the one who causes us to be at one with God. And man needed someone to atone for his sins. And Jesus Christ is our atonement. And sometimes we wonder, who, who is it that, that killed Jesus? Who, who killed the Son of God? Well, someone says, well, I've read somewhere in the Bible that the Jewish people were responsible for his death. Well, indeed, they were the ones who said, crucify him. And they were the ones who clamored for his death. And, and they were the ones to whom Peter was speaking on the day of Pentecost when he said in Acts 2, 23, you have by wicked hands crucified and slain. But, but is it just the case that they and they alone were guilty of his death? No, because you see the Roman government was responsible for his death. It was Roman soldiers who nailed him to that cross. But before we become smug and before we become arrogant and censorous of those people, may we, be, may we be reminded that it was our sins that put Him on that cross as well. 
Je Jesus died in my place. He died in your place. So in that respect, Jesus died because of my sins. Someone said to me one day, well, I I'm not responsible for the death of Jesus. I wasn't there. No, we were not there at Calvary when Jesus died. But Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. He became the sin offering for mankind. He tasted of death, we're told in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, for every man. And the reason Jesus tasted of death for every man is to reconcile God and man. Man is warring against God. Man has become estranged from God, alienated from God. Well, how can man be at one with God again? How can man be reconciled to God? And Colossians 1 and 20 says, We have peace through the blood of His cross. The only way we'll ever have peace with God is through the cross of Jesus. You know, back in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, Paul said there, the wrath of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want God's wrath. You know, sometimes people talk about God, and all they want to talk about is God's love. And of course, I believe in the love of God, and I, I'm, I'm so grateful and thankful for the love of God. And without the love of God, none of us would have any hope whatsoever. But there's a dual side to God, and there's God's wrath. You know, Romans eleven twenty two says, Behold, the goodness and severity of God. And Romans 1.18 says the wrath of God, that's his severity. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So there you have it. God's wrath is revealed against sin. Well, now what are we going to do about that? Well, go back to the verses I read out of Romans chapter 5. Look at verse number 9. Be much more than justified by His blood. We shall be saved from what? From wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath. God's severity. God's punishment. We shall be saved from wrath through Him. The only thing that will ever save us from the wrath of God is the blood of Jesus. That's why Paul said we have peace through the blood of His cross. And so Jesus Christ is the one who reconciles us to God. Jesus is our peace who hath made both one and, and hath broken down the middle wall of petition between us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity. Even the law of commandments containing ordinances. For what to make of Himself of twain, that means two, uh, one new man, so making peace. What does all of that mean? It just means that Jesus Christ died and Jesus Christ took down that middle wall of petition that separated the Jew and the Gentile, that all men might be one in Jesus Christ. But how can men be made one in Jesus Christ? How can all men everywhere be reconciled to God? It's by the cross. Where? In one body. And that one body is called the church in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. You see, Jesus died on that cross that He might reconcile all men to God. He is our atonement. And without Jesus, we would not have that. And life would literally be torment on earth 
if we did not have the hope of reconciliation with God Almighty. Hell would be our lot. Someone asked one day, where is hell? And the answer was, hell is at the end of a Christless life. I'd ask another question, where is heaven? Heaven is at the end of a life with Jesus. So without Jesus Christ, we would not have that atonement, but with Jesus we have hope. With Jesus we have atonement. With Jesus we can be reconciled to God. With Jesus we have the hope of heaven. I want you to imagine being on a shipwreck. Think about this. You're on a shipwreck. And you are just about at the end. You have a little life raft that you're hanging on to. And you've been there for days without food. You've been there without water. Just hanging on to life by thread. And of course people have been trying to find you, trying to rescue you, and eventually they find you. And they come and they, they get you on a larger boat and, and oh, they, they are so happy and excited that you've found you and that you're alive. And, and then they begin to offer you water just a little at the time, but you refuse it. Now listen, you've been without water for days. There's been water all around you, but it's salt water. You couldn't drink that. But now they have some fresh, sparkling water, fresh water, good water, and you refuse it. And they say, now you've been without food for days, and we're just going to give you just a little bit to eat. And you said, no, I don't want anything to eat. I don't want it. Would that make sense to you? You say, no, Billy, that wouldn't make any sense to me. person been out, on, out in the ocean for days and days and, and without anything to eat, without anything to drink, and now they're rescued. And when they offer them some water to drink, they won't drink it. When they offer them some food to eat, they won't eat it. A person that would be in a situation like that said, evidently, there's something wrong with them. Well, I want to suggest to you that Jesus is our lifeline. And Jesus is the only lifeline this world has, people. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation any other, for, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. He's the only lifeboat. He's the only person that can save us from disaster. And Jesus offers you the water of life. He offers you the bread of life to save your soul. Don't turn it down. A person would have to be extremely foolish to turn it down without Jesus. My friend, we have no hope. But with Jesus, we have hope of everlasting life. You see, without Jesus, 
There's no body of redeemed ones that's called the church. Now, what is the church? Well, somebody says, well, you know, there, there's a church down on the corner over here, and, and on a, across the street there's another church. And No, you're talking about buildings. Is the church a building? So many people confuse the, the building in which people meet, and they call that the church. I've had many people say to me, you know, Brother Lambert, you have a beautiful church. Well, what they're talking about is a building. But the church is not a building. The church is people. The church is made up of people. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 reads like this, And the Lord added unto the church daily those that were being saved. The church was composed of saved people. You see, the church was composed of people that were redeemed by blood of Jesus. And without Christ, we wouldn't have that. First of all, Jesus died for the church. Try, try, to, try to imagine Jesus on that cross dying for it. Shedding his blood for it. I can't imagine what it would be like to be crucified. I know there, there are things going on today in, in our world where people are being killed in atrocious ways. Unbelievable, inhumane ways. There's never been a more inhumane way of execution than crucifixion. And when Jesus died on that cross, Jesus died because he loved the church, according to Paul, Ephesians 5, 25. According to Acts 20 and 28, when he died on that cross, he purchased the church with his own blood. That the church was the purchase price. And he wasn't purchasing a building. He was purchasing souls. Blood redeemed souls. In the book of Revelation in chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, the question is asked, Sir, what are these and whence came they? And I sir, said, Sir, you know, these are the ones who came out of great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The only way that we can ever be redeemed from our sins and be a part of that blood-redeemed group called the church is to obey the gospel and have our sins cleansed by Jesus' blood. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 tell us that for as much as you know that, that you're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, receive from the vain conversation the tradition of your fathers, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without spot, without blemish. The only way we'll ever be redeemed from our sins is by Jesus' precious blood. In the Old Testament, when they offered a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, it had to be without spot, without blemish. And when God chose a sacrifice for the sins of humanity, He chose a perfect sacrifice. He chose His Son. It was John who said in John 1, 29, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world, and that lamb was without spot, and it was without blemish. Jesus Christ redeems us, and those that are redeemed 
by His blood are called the church. The church is people. The church is composed of people, first of all, who believe. Philip went down to Samaria preaching Jesus. According to Acts chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. Well, when he preached Jesus to the people of Samaria, what happened? Acts chapter 8 and verse 12 says, When they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So here, here he is preaching Jesus Christ, and the people believe what he preaches. So the church is composed of people that believe. And it also is composed of people who have repented of their sins. You know, repentance is really not an option. Jesus said, I tell you, neighbor, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Someone says, well, you know, Billy, I, I, I know I've done some bad things. I'm really sorry about all of that. I, I, I regret it. I, I got caught, and I'm really sorry about it. Well, you see, there's more to repentance than just being sorry that you got caught. Second Peter chapter, uh, Second Corinthians, rather, chapter seven and verse ten says, "But godless sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world works death. It may be that you just have a sorrow of the world; you just got caught. But you see, when we really repent, that we understand that my sin has broken the heart of a holy God." And I'm going to change my life. I'm going to change my will. I'm going to change my mind. And rather than turning my back upon Him, I'm going to turn my life over to Him. And that's the reason on the day of Pentecost when the people asked, what shall we do? They were told to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. And so... Without Jesus Christ, folk, we couldn't have that body of redeemed people called the church. And when Jesus died, Jesus died for it. He died to redeem people. You see, some people will say, well, you're saved when you, when you, when you come to Christ, and then later you can join a church. Well, that's not exactly what the Bible teaches. It's not what the Bible teaches at all. In Colossians, the first chapter, verse 13, we learn that He has delivered us from darkness, translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, forgiveness of sins. You see, when we have the, our sins forgiven by Jesus' blood, we are taken out of the kingdom of darkness, and we're translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son that's called the church. The same thing that saves your soul will add you to the church. The th same thing adds you to the church will save your soul. I'm not talking about two different things. Have you obeyed the gospel? By believing on Jesus and repenting of your sins, confessing faith in Christ by being baptized into Christ. Now, folks, this is what Jesus said. I'm not making this up. This is what Jesus said. He that believeth one is baptized too, shall be saved, number three. Somebody said, now, Brother Lambert, that ought not to even be in the Bible. Well, it's not if you don't believe the Bible. Jesus said it. He that believeth one is baptized too, shall be saved, number three. 
Folks, without Jesus Christ, we would not be able to be a part of that redeemed group that's called the body of Christ, the family of God, the kingdom of God, the church. What does the church really mean to you? What does it really mean to you? You say, well, Brother Lamb, I'm already a member of the Church of Christ, and I have an idea there are some members of the Church of Christ watching the telecast. I, uh, that's the case almost every time we're on the air. But what does it really mean to you? Do you support the work of the church? Do you attend the services of the church? Are you trying to help the church to grow? What are you doing? Just how much does this church mean to you that Jesus died to save? Without Jesus... Without Christ, Jesus Christ is our Savior. Without Jesus, we would not have an advocate. We would not have an advocate with the Father. First John chapter 2 says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Well, what is an advocate? He is our court-appointed attorney, as it were to argue our case before the throne of God Almighty. Jesus is our mediator, and He's the one who comes to our aid. He intercedes on our behalf, Hebrews 7.25. He is our high priest, Hebrews chapter 4, uh, and verses 14 to 16. And Jesus Christ is our mediator, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. And at our weakest moment, at our time of distress, when we are in a time of disappointment, when we are in sin, that's when we need that advocate with the Father. And without Jesus, we'd not have Him. I want to thank you for watching, getting to know your Bible today. And I want to close with this point. Without Jesus, there would be no heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Are you prepared for that? Have you become a child of God? Don't hesitate. Don't delay. Do it today. And I want to thank you for watching today, and may I encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community, and also pick up the telephone now, call for the free Bible correspondence course. Or if you prefer, you can take it online. But we want you to know more about the Bible until we meet again. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you is my prayer. He that believeth one is baptized two shall be saved, number three. Somebody said, now, Brother Lambert, that ought not to even be in the Bible. Well, it's not if you don't believe the Bible. Jesus said it. He that believeth one is baptized too shall be saved, number three. Folks, without Jesus Christ, we would not be able to be a part of that redeemed group that's called the body of Christ, the family of God, the kingdom of God, the church. What does the church really mean to you? What does it really mean to you? You say, well, Brother Lamb, I'm already a member of the Church of Christ, and I have an idea there are some members of the Church of Christ watching the telecast. I, uh, that's the case almost every time we're on the air. But what does it really mean to you? Do you support the work of the church? Do you attend the services of the church? Are you trying to help the church to grow? What are you doing? 
Just how much does this church mean to you that Jesus died to save? Without Jesus, without Christ, Jesus Christ is our Savior. Without Jesus, we would not have an advocate. We would not have an advocate with the Father. 1 John chapter 2 says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Well, what is an advocate? He is our court-appointed attorney, as it were, to argue our case before the throne of God Almighty. Jesus is our mediator, and He's the one who comes to our aid. He intercedes on our behalf, Hebrews 7.25. He is our high priest, Hebrews chapter 4, uh, and verses 14 to 16. And Jesus Christ is our mediator, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. And at our weakest moment, at our time of distress, when we are in a time of disappointment, when we are in sin, that's when we need that advocate with the Father. And without Jesus, we'd not have Him. I want to thank you for watching, getting to know your Bible today. And I want to close with this point. Without Jesus, there would be no heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Are you prepared for that? Have you become a child of God? Don't hesitate. Don't delay. Do it today. And I want to thank you for watching today, and may I encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community, and also pick up the telephone now, call for the free Bible correspondence course. Or if you prefer, you can take it online. But we want you to know more about the Bible until we meet again. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.